Well, once the offering buckets have passed you by, I'm going to ask you to one more time stand with me today. And we are going to say the Trinity Declaration together in preparation for God's Word. Amen. Okay, here we go. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. I am invited, loved, chosen, and called because God has my full attention and cheerful yes, I am good soil for the good news. I will be faithful with my identity, song, gift, and testimony. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, we are in week five of our By the Spirit series this October, and we've talked about so many things, uh, aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry in his church, in our own development, in our own souls. The Holy Spirit regenerates us at the moment of faith. When we lay our lives on Christ, he resurrects us just like he resurrected Jesus from the dead. And we talked about that, being alive by the Spirit. And then we talked about how the Holy Spirit guides and leads our lives. We live by the Spirit. And we, uh, we, we looked at Romans 8 where it says, be controlled by the Spirit. And uh, how we respond to his conviction is how we allow him to lead us and control our hearts. And then we talked about uh, what it means to be preserving the bond of peace in the body. How can we live as a group in a way that shows the world the love of God, that shows the world the grace and the peace of God? And uh, we called that week United by the Spirit. Now, last week was a special week. We talked about something that there's a lot of Christian difference and confusion about. And we talked about uh, spiritual gifts, how the Holy Spirit wants to empower us beyond ourselves, each and every one of us, that he has a gift for every believer in the baptism of his Holy Spirit. And he has a gift for every believer in ministry gifts and manifestation gifts uh, that are specific person to person to person. And all we have to do is be like Mary when the angel came and told her, hey, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna give birth to a son and he'll be the Messiah. She said, how can this be? She said, I can't do that on my own. We just have to be willing to say, God, there's something you wanna do through my life that I can't do on my own. And secondly, secondly, we have to say, yes. Yes, God, whatever it is you have for me, I will eagerly desire it. So today, we're at week five, and I'm so excited because I'm not preaching today, folks. Um, I know I'm misleading you right now because of how I'm talking, but I'm going to get out of the way in just a second. Today is Five for Five Sunday, and we're just so blessed at Trinity, like just you know, mind-blowingly, overwhelmingly blessed with the way the Holy Spirit is gifting people and the richness of the faith of the people sitting on your left and on your right today. Thank you for serving. Thank you for saying yes to God. There's, there's folks that we've identified as having exhortation gifts, the ability, supernatural ability to understand God's word, to rightly handle God's word, and then to encourage other people in their faith journey with God's word, to apply God's word to our lives that we would be discipled and be more like Jesus. These uh, folks you're gonna hear from today aren't, pe aren't just people with good public speaking abilities. That's not who we were looking for. We were looking for people who are being consistent and faithful 
with the use of the gift of exhortation in our church. You may be saying, hey, Anthony never asked me to, uh, to give a word or do this or that. Well, I'm looking for those that are serving faithfully and consistently. So let me encourage you, if you're somebody that maybe is walking with one of these giftings, we're looking for group leaders in, in the January, February of 2024 to launch new groups and start new discipleship groups. So put your gifts to work. Uh, today you're gonna hear from five speakers and they are gonna share one sermon. They're just gonna keep passing the baton throughout it. And the speakers you're gonna hear from today are Ken Moreland. Ken serves in a number of capacities at our church, but importantly, he leads a group. He leads a group on uh, Wednesday nights online. It's a, it's a Zoom study of God's word. Today, you're also gonna hear from Shanae Robbins. Shanae uses her voice in our next-gen ministries to shape and guide young people. You're gonna hear uh, today as well from Benson Muema. Benson also serves in a number of capacities, but he's leading in Trinity Kids, and he also leads, uh, uh, teaches in the Kenyan Christian Fellowship of America. You are gonna hear today from Fidel Ugarte, who helps lead and speaks in our Spanish group that meets on Wednesdays and Friday nights. And you're also gonna hear today from Shalisa Chambliss, who's been one of our communicators and teachers in our sisterhood Bible study on Wednesday nights. So I want you to, uh, uh, when they come, I want you to make them feel so welcome and so comfortable as they come to confidently share the word of truth. Well, to set the stage for them, I wanna share with you today's scripture passage, which is in Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 23. And as you're taking notes today, Today's title is Cultivated by the Spirit. Cultivated by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say but. But the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. And now Ken is coming to frame this message. Good morning. You know, from the beginning of time, there have been wars and rumors of wars. Just in the last year alone, we see wars in Ukraine. We see civil wars in Africa. We see China threatening Taiwan. In the last month, we see another war in the Middle East, yet another war, where the oppressors, the oppressors are, have an objective to basically extinguish the Jewish people from the face of the earth. But there's other wars and battles that are ongoing as well. Just think about the war on crime, the war on drugs, the war on human trafficking. All these wars are horrific, but the real ground zero is the longest war in human history. 
This is the war that started with one man, one woman, one snake. What's the name of the snake? Satan. This is the battle between good and evil that began with disobedience toward God. Basically, it was the bite of the forbidden fruit. It was the original sin. It was the origin of what those scripture verses talked about as the flesh or the sinful nature of mankind. From the beginning of time, no one has ever been told or taught to do wrong. Their sinful nature basically exists at the point of birth. According to a well-known pastor and author, Chuck Swindoll, in 1976, the Minnesota Crime Commission, in studying the origins of crime, issued a report that stated this, and I can't believe they said this. Everybody starts as a little savage, completely selfish and self-centered. A baby wants what he wants when he wants it, a bottle, his playmates' toys. They act impulsively to satisfy their wants. They have no morals, no knowledge, and no skills. All children are born delinquent. This is the key word. Without intervention, they are destined to become criminals, thieves, sexual predators, and killers. Without intervention. What a raw and horrific statement that was. But it's still true. You never have to teach a child to do wrong. Doing wrong comes instinctively. On the contrary, you have to teach and train a child to do what is right. And guess what? Even as we grow older, and even if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christians, regardless of whether they've been saved for 90 seconds or 90 years, still have that sinful nature in us. In us. In other words, our sinful nature isn't eradicated just because we get saved. Yes, believe it or not, Christians still curse. Christians still throw fits and fists when they get angry. They get drunk. They get high. They abuse their spouses. They abuse their children. They have affairs, and they break families apart. In the Old Testament, God gave the Jewish people the law, as referred to in these verses, to try to regulate the sinful nature of mankind. Of course, non-Jews didn't have or didn't have to obey that. And, if, and even the Jewish people, including their religious leaders, their kings, they failed miserably at keeping God's law and commandments. But then God, because of his love for his creation, sent his son Jesus Christ to be the perfect example of fulfilling the desire for the appropriate attitudes and actions of his created beings. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God, but born of a virgin woman. Jesus walked this earth. He rubbed shoulders with sinners. He was tempted and tested just like you and I are tempted and tested every day, yet he did not sin. 
Jesus is the only person on earth without a sinful nature. He embodied and exemplified the fruit of the Spirit, which overcomes our sinful natures. Here's the bad news. We're stuck dealing with this sinful nature until of our earthly death. Everyone, you, 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 Pastor Anthony, where are you? You and me all have this sinful nature in us. We are and always will be sinners. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ, following his death and resurrection, gave us the Holy Spirit to those who accept him as their Lord and Savior to empower us to subdue and control our inherent sinful natures. Remember that quote about without intervention? The Holy Spirit is the perfect intervention. The Holy Spirit is the source of all good fruit in our lives that enable us to counteract the terrorism of our sinful nature and win the battles with sin. Whether you're young or old, lifelong or new Christians, we must continually follow the process to produce the fruit of the Spirit that resides in us. Now, Shanae is going to come and bless us with the first process of growing spiritual fruits. Amen. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, New Living Translation. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Good morning. It's that time of year that we see all of the beautiful pictures of families planted in the middle of rows and rows of sunflowers. I, I enjoy growing sunflowers. I have a small patch. Last year, um, my sunflowers didn't grow beyond five feet. They were stunted by a nuisance vine. Not that I'm a great horticulturalist, but sunflowers are pretty easy to grow. What are the vines in your life? What do you have that's stopping you, that, um, that, that allows wicked thoughts to creep in? Um, making decisions based on your current feeling or the popular tagline, follow your heart. How do you combat those vines? Because I didn't catch those vines in time, my sunflowers are grunted, were stunted, but they followed the sun. One important lifeline, life-giving to, to sunflowers is the sun. The important life-giving lifeline for believers in Christ is the sun. Not the S-O-N, not the S-U-N, the S-O-N. The son of Jesus Christ. Each day is a new day, a day to deepen our roots, to grow in God's word, to meditate on his word, to be with him, to follow him. On the last night of Seek Week, I stood right here at this altar, and I said, here I am, God. Use me. Use me. I am yours. I am your vessel. I had no idea it would be this soon in this capacity. As I was talking to Pastor Anthony about this opportunity to share, the Holy Spirit immediately spoke to me and said, yes. The flesh out of me was really indecisive. As we set aside time and be in God's word and study God's word and grow in Christ, we hear from him. We have to set aside that time 
to just be still and hear from God. Each day, the sunflowers are waiting, waiting, look, looking upward, waiting for the sun. As the sun rises in the east, the, sun, the sunflowers turn towards the east. Just as the sunflowers are waiting, we are to wait on our, our Holy Father. We are to wait on God. We are to be obedient to his word. When the sun tells us to stop, we are to stop. When the sun tells us to move, we are to move. We are to keep our eye on the sun, Jesus. Each day is in, each day that I check the, my um, water of the sunflowers, if I check the soil and I see that the, the, um, the soil is a little dry, I just get excited in, in knowing that the uh, soil needs water. Just as that soil needs water, we need water. We need to be in God's word. Each day that we, it needs water, it's like the new mercies that we receive from God each day. We must meditate on his word. We need the S-O-N. When we don't have that son, we are too weak, too weak to be fruitful. It's through Jesus that we are able to stand firm like the, water, like the, like the tree by the riverside to get watered. It's not always easy. As sunflowers begin to sprout, the stalks start to thicken with, with, um, to support all of those sunflower seeds that are on the head of the sunflower. And if it's not watered, it begins to droop. What do we do with that? We need to water it. And for us, being watered is being in community, being connected to the root system, being connected to the vine. We're not meant to be on this journey alone. Sunflowers grow better together. As Christians, we grow better together. What does that look like? Be worshiping together, be in small groups, go when Jesus tells us to go. We are an example. We are to be an example, spending time with him, seeking him, quieter in ourselves. As Ken said, we're in the spiritual struggle. The Holy Spirit wants to get us growing by shifting, by shifting sunward, watering, soil, strengthening the plant. He's separating us from destruction, the sinful nature. He is weeding. Good morning, Trinity. So we just started a beautiful garden. Maybe we have fruit trees that are beginning to grow. And at this point, we can tell the orange tree from the apple tree or the vine. But soon we start to notice some weeds growing alongside our fruit. Our sinful nature is synonymous with the weeds in this garden. We do not plant a garden and deliberately leave room for weeds. Weeds exploit the favorable conditions of the garden, the nutrients in the soil, the water, the sunlight. They compete with a good crop for all these things. Same way our sinful desires will compete with spiritual desires in our hearts. We can feel the tension and the struggle as sin is looming over our lives. To click or not to click that button. To go or not to go to that place. To look or not to look lustfully. To say or not to say those words. To have one more drink or to stop. In the text that we read in Galatians 5.16, it says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And to gratify essentially means to satisfy or to act upon those desires, and that becomes sin. Here's that list again from Galatians 5.19-21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says that those desires are obvious. They are natural and instinctive. So our natural fallen man or woman will go against the spirit. The prophet Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. By our nature, we will bite and devour and destroy each other rather than nourish one another. There's a game where participants are given a balloon and a sharp pencil. And the rules of the game are simple. You have two minutes. At the end of two minutes, whoever has their balloon intact, meaning it's not deflated, wins the game. But interesting, when this game is played most of the time, there are many popped balloons at the end. If you think about it, the participants have the choice to hold on to their balloon and not worry about everybody else's and still win the game. But no, they don't choose that. The urge to pop somebody else's balloon is so irresistible. They want to go for that. Paul wrote the book of Galatians to the churches in Galatia, to believers, to you and me. But when we read some of the things he warns the Galatians in verse 19 about, it may seem as if he's speaking to non-believers. He mentions sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, discord, and even witchcraft. So my African brothers and sisters call that juju. Really, Paul, are you talking to us? Could those things happen among believers? Worse still, are they happening among believers? Weeds will attempt to grow in any garden. And even more where it finds another crop that is thriving from the care of a good caregiver. When Paul says that the acts of the flesh are obvious, it also means we can easily identify and act upon those weeds by approaching them. By asking the question, what would Jesus do? We allow ourselves to respond to the conviction of the Spirit in our situation and overcome the temptation. Will Jesus do what I'm doing? Would he say what I'm saying or think what I'm thinking right now? So Pastor Anthony touched on that in his message, Controlled by the Spirit, on October 8th. And you can find that online. And he read from John 16 where it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. So all we need to do is tune ourselves to the frequency of the Spirit. And maybe turn up the volume to subdue all the noise around you. And if you have those uh, noise-canceling headphones, those might help as well. So Paul warns in verse 20 that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He is referring to people justifying these sins, not repenting. It's true that your garden will grow weeds, meaning we will sin from time to time. But we shouldn't let that sin find roots in our hearts and let, let that define us. If we neglect our garden and leave the weeds to grow, our fruit will be choked up. And all we'll have to show is an ugly garden full of weeds. 
Paul is not saying that tolerating weeds is annoying. He's saying it's worse than that. It's dangerous. It's deadly. We all know that weeding is not a one-time activity because the weeds will keep coming back. That's why we must be vigilant and diligent at identifying and uprooting them constantly. Your garden might have looked great last year when you pull out the weeds, but that will not count for this year if you let them grow back. In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear, the author, explains that there are three layers in the process of change. Think of this like an onion with three layers, and we're going to peel it from the outside going in. So he gives the example of physical fitness, and he calls the outer layer changing your outcomes, where you may set a goal like, I want to lose weight, or if you struggle with this, I want to stop cursing. The second middle layer he calls changing the process, where we develop habits like running for 15 minutes on the treadmill, or if you struggle with the deadly web, you give an accountability partner access to your devices so they can give you, they can keep you accountable to your clicks. So they hold you accountable to those clicks. The deepest layer, James Clear calls changing your identity. This is where you define your worldview, meaning you move from the person who just wants to lose weight to the person who wants to live a healthy life. You move from the person who just wants to stop cursing to the person who wants to honor God with your words. In Psalm 1-1, we are warned not to walk with the wicked, stand with sinners, or sit with scoffers. It doesn't say we should not reach out and tell others about the good news of salvation. It's a warning for us not to conform to their ways. Let's uproot the weeds. We need to do in our everyday life to uproot the weeds and keep them out of our garden. So we've planted the fruit tree. There's plenty of sunshine, healthy soil and water, and it's been growing. We also just pull out the weeds from around it. Adele will now let us know what we need to do to have a bountiful harvest. Good morning. We need to be pruned so we can bear more fruit. Pruning is the agricultural practice that involves the selective removals of certain parts of the plant. That word selective over there means that this is done on purpose and that the pruner carefully considers uh, what are going to be the outcomes of this action. There are three reasons why God will like to remove things from our lives, specific things from our lives. The first thing is that God wants to remove things that only consume energy but don't bear much fruit. Some things in our life are not necessarily bad things or are not necessarily a sin, but they consume so much energy from us. There are actions where we are overgrowing, areas in our lives where we're overgrowing, but we're not seeing much fruit. We're not producing fruit for the kingdom of heaven. So regarding these actions, regarding these areas, uh, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, 
but I won't be mastered or I won't be controlled by anything. That means that there are some things in our life where we need to pause. We need to say, okay, this is the limit for us. I'm overgrowing in this. We invest so much time on our hobbies, building skills that are not necessarily fruitful for the kingdom of heaven. And what is the priority here at Trinity? To be fruitful for the kingdom of heaven. We need to bear eternal fruit. Yeah, praise God. Amen. The second reason is that crowning occurs because God needs to remove parts of our lives that are diseased or infested. And I'm not talking about the obvious things that uh, Benson mentioned. We have obvious things in our lives that need to be removed, need to be uh, with. But in our lives, there are things in our interior living inside of us that only we know, only the close, closest people to us, or maybe only God knows about those things. And those things, sometimes they need to go as well. Because they are taking energy, they are hurting us. And I understand it's difficult for us to let go things from the past that actually hurt us. And you can say, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how much suffer, suffering I've been through. And you're right, I don't, but Jesus does. And the Bible says that Jesus is a man of suffering and that he's familiar with pain. But I praise God because the Bible doesn't only say that, but it says that he took up our pain, that he carried our pain. So we don't need to carry our pain anymore. We don't need to carry with those mistakes, with those things that are hurting us. We don't need to carry those things anymore. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are broken dreams that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus. You can, you know, the Holy Spirit is calling us today to do so. There are unhealthy relationships as well that you need to lay down to the feet of Jesus. And there are, there are even mistakes from the past that we need to lay down to the feet of Jesus. I should know this because I always recriminate myself for things from the past. I, should, I always say, I could have done this better. I could have prepared this better. I shouldn't, you know, say this or done this before. But you know what? Those things, Jesus is calling me as well to lay those to the feet of Jesus today. Amen. The third reason is that God wants to focus your growth in the right direction so you can bear more fruit. John chapter 15 verse 2 says that every branch that produces fruit, he prunes so it can be even more fruitful. So what is the purpose of pruning? That you can be more fruitful. Amen. Maybe you are in a place where you feel like you're being productive. You're in a place where you feel good. But suddenly you feel like the Holy Spirit is calling you to a different direction. He's telling you, you need to go this way. And you don't want to move because you say, God, I'm so good in this place. I feel so well in this place. I don't want to move. The disciples said the same thing when they were in the mountain. When they were with Jesus during his transfiguration, they said, this is good. Let's just stay here. But guess what? People, uh, Jesus said, we need to go down. Because down, there's people that need whatever you have to offer them. So God is telling you the same thing this morning. You need to move because I want to take you to a place where you can bear even more fruit. You, I, don't, I won't settle for pretty well. I want you to be Full, to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to close this time with a testimony of my life. 
and I like to call this story the story of my dream job. Three years ago, four years ago, sorry, I got my dream job. I was working as an economist at the IDB, that's the Inter-American Development Bank. This is a big deal for economists. And I was really happy there. I, you know, enjoy everything from this place. I enjoy what I did. I enjoy the working environment. It was a true blessing for me and for my family. So after three accomplishing years, I was ready to move to the next level. And an open, uh, upper level position came available. So I pray one night for confirmation, and don't ask me why I did this, you know. <laughs> My heart was already into this, but I felt like I need to, to ask God what I'm going to do, what's going to be the next step. So I pray for confirmation, and I ask, God, should I invest everything I have into applying to this position, into getting this position? And, you know, the answer I got from God is, wasn't what I was expecting. He said, you could do that. You know, you could invest all your energy, all your resources in applying to this position, and you'll probably get that. But you know what? You wouldn't be crossing George Jordan with me. And just to give you some context about this, the Jordan represents, uh, in the Old Testament, the point where the people of Israel, God's people, step into the promise of God. So if I stay in that place, God, God was telling me, you will be limiting your potential. You wouldn't be living to your fullest potential. And that marked me so, so uh, deep in my life that I said, God, I don't want to stay in this side of Jordan. I want to go with you. And that's how uh, I moved with my family from Nicaragua to Maryland. If you don't know where Nicaragua is, don't worry. Many people don't. <laughs> but <laughs> we moved over here. And I, I didn't understand back then. But God was telling me, God was pruning me. That guy was pruning my life so I can be even more fruitful, so I can bear more fruit. And I didn't imagine that one day I will be translating the preachers or the sermons from Pastor Anthony uh, here at Trinity, and I'd be speaking in front of you. I'd be preaching in another language for me. Uh, but I'm here, you know, and God called me here to, be, to bear more fruit. And I praise God for that. Hallelujah. So the key of this is here. Pruning is about our potential. When our vision for our potential is out of the alignment with God's vision, we start to resent pruning. And we see God as the enemy. But let me tell you, God, he's not the enemy. He's for us and not against us. And I still don't see the complete picture over here. I don't see where God wants to lead me. But I'm faithful every single day. I try to remain confident and trusting that he, whatever he has prepared for me, it's better than I could ever imagine or could ever expect it. So praise the Lord. And if God is speaking to you right now, wait for Shalisa to come. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. So I want to say Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I love that God has used agriculture this natural life cycle full of rich metaphors 
to teach us spiritual lessons. So in this, I'm a person that loves definitions. So of course, I had to look up what is a harvest. By definition, it is the process or period of gathering crops. And so, of course, that begs the question, what's a crop? It's a cultivated plant that is grown as food, especially grain, fruit, or vegetable. And here it is, a crop is also a group or amount of related people or things appearing or occurring at one time. Jesus says in John 5, 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And then in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that the Spirit cultivates us to produce fruit so that we can become a crop. There's a lot of richness to be gained from the Word of God. And so all this talk about cultivating, planting, watering, weeding, and now we're at times of harvest, it brought my mind to a story from my childhood. When I was a girl, my grandmother would have her produce delivered every two weeks by the egg man. Now, I called her to find out that his name was Mr. Sponseller, but in my family, we'll always call him the egg man. Every couple of weeks, he would come and deliver his produce uh, to my grandmother's house. In this truck, lined all around the back were shelves, when every shelf was a box filled and overflowing with produce harvested from his family farm. My grandmother, God bless her, Delma Simmons, would always get the staples. She'd buy eggs by the case, potatoes and onions, and then she would get a selection of seasonal fruits and vegetables. And if you were, got to be on the truck with her that day, she'd let you pick out your favorite fruit. Now, at this time, my grandmother was independently supporting seven children and three grandchildren. And without fail, after we brought all the boxes into the house and put everything away, she would get on the phone and she would call friends and family and see if anybody needed anything. And often people would come by, get a dozen of eggs, and sometimes she would send us out with fruit to bless other people. And with all those people in that three-bedroom, one-bathroom house, we were never hungry, and we always had more than enough. And because she was faithful with her harvest, God has always been faithful to my family. So what can we learn from my grandmother and the egg man? So like the egg man, we need to harvest an abundant variety of fruit. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there's no law. If you were counting, that's nine. We are not to be one fruit Christians. I can't imagine that my grandmother would continue to patronize the egg man if every time he showed up, all he had was a truck full of apples. And I want to interject something here. We also can't over-index on one fruit. 
We can't have so much self-control, and, and we have a lot of self-control. We have no worldly vices, thank the Lord. But we don't have enough forbearance, kindness, or gentleness, or meekness, right? We don't have those fruit that allow us to operate in harmony amongst God's diverse body of believers. Amen? Each fruit provides a different nutrient necessary to support different phases and functions of life. For example, if you only eat oranges, you'll never get scurvy, right? Because scurvy is from the lack of vitamin C, but you might get rickets. That's a condition from lack of vitamin D and calcium. So you have to have a variety of fruits. If we abide in Jesus and he abides in us, we can bring forth all the fruits of the Spirit, right? Without him, we can do nothing, but with him, we can bring forth an abundant variety of fruit. John 15, 2 says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. We serve a God of abundance. He's looking for fruit and more fruit. So in short, we need all the fruit of the Spirit, and we need a lot of them. Amen. The second thing we want to learn is we must harvest our fruit in season. I'm going to say some familiar passages, Ephesians 3 and 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Proverbs 25 and 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. We are to serve one another humbly in love, keeping one commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. What does this mean? This means that we need to abide with one another through all the phases of life and support one another with the appropriate fruit at the appropriate time. We share one another's joys, births, weddings, and promotions, and we bear one another's burdens, sickness, loss, and tragedy. And I, I want to eject something here, too. My family hears me say this a lot. Love is a verb, in case you didn't know. It's a verb. Um, I actually work for a cloud computing company, and we have a concept of data-driven decisions. That's kind of how we operate. And so I always say, if you want to check your fruit, ask yourself, what is the verb? What are you doing? What does the data say? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you listening? Are you doing the thing that demonstrates that the fruit is active in your life? Amen. And if we harvest a fruit that we don't need at a particular time, maybe it's out of season right now, we need to preserve it for later use. Can boxed or frozen, we need to keep our spiritual pantries full so that just in case we need to restore a brother or a sister, we've got meekness, gentleness, and kindness in stock. In every situation and in every season, we need to be able to say, I've got a fruit for that. And lastly, you will always harvest what you plant. The reason why the egg man's truck was always full and overflowing is because he had done the work. He had done the planning and the weeding and the pruning ahead of time so that he was able to bring in a harvest. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, 
that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Since we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. God bless. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you stand to your feet and show appreciation? We've been blessed this morning by our speakers. Speakers, would you come and and stand with me? Thank you for being faithful to minister God's word, to handle God's word. How many of you are going to be here next Five for Five Sunday when we hear from some different speakers? Thank you. Thank you for using your gifts. God bless you. You guys may have a seat. And would you remain standing? Worship team's going to join me right now, and I have some questions for you. We've just heard about fruit production and development cultivated by the Spirit. You may have come in today knowing eventually we're going to get to the fruit of the Spirit. It's a pretty popular passage uh, this month, and you're like, good, because I can't wait for my spouse to hear about patience today, or I can't, uh, I can't wait to have my, uh, my kids learn about self-control today. Can't wait to get here for Fruit of the Spirit Week. And you just heard a message where we talked more about the development and the cultivation cultivation of the image of Christ in us, we're being formed into the likeness of Christ by the Holy Spirit, than you did about one specific fruit. I have some questions for you. First one is this. What are you weeding? What are you weeding right now, today? You should have an answer to all three of these questions. Ken and Ben talked about the spiritual tension and struggle to overcome the sinful nature. Where do you sense that tension? Like, uh, like Ken said, where must the Holy Spirit intervene to develop you? Uh, another question for you today is, what are you pruning? Shanae and Fidel talked about growing in the sun. Specifically, when that growth feels painful and when that growth feels like shrinking. Where have you settled and gotten comfortable? Where have you said, this is my limit? This is how it's going to be. This is how I'm going to be in this area. I'm comfortable. This is it. And God is saying there's more potential here. You may be in a season like Fidel talked about where you say, hey, I don't understand. I feel like I'm going backwards. I feel like the circumstances of my life right now are taking me backwards rather than me going forward in my development. God, I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you cutting me back? Why are you pruning back overgrowth? Why are you removing some things? Ask God. It's likely that he's pruning you to produce more spiritual fruit and less temporary crowns in this life, but he's pruning you to produce more of these fruit of the spirit that we can't produce on our own. Ask him, God, what are are you weeding in me? God, what are you pruning? And, And as that Holy Spirit gardener continues to work in you, I wanna ask you, what season is it? Shalisa just talked about harvest and bringing out an abundance and not being a one fruit Christian, but being developed in all these areas to be like Jesus. You know, in June, it's strawberry pepper season. In July, it's zooks and cukes. In August, it's corn, it's peaches. In uh, September, it's apples. In October, it's pumpkins. You know, there's something in your life in this season right now that someone is starving for. 
that someone is waiting to see you produced that godly attribute because they're hungry for it. What season is it in your life? What is God wanting to develop in you right now? What fruit? Is it love for the lost? Is it gentleness with your spouse, patience with your kids, self-control at the refrigerator, at your TV, at your phone? Is it goodness in your business and in your purpose, the thing you're, you're giving your work and your effort to? Is God wanting to align it with his mission and bring goodness out of you? Is it peace at your calendar? Does God need to cut back some overgrowth of a busy schedule in your life so he can live you to the simple life that's not riddled with anxiety and worry, but a simple life walking with him step by step? Is it faithfulness in your church with your devotion time in your Bible app? Is it a growth group that he's laying on your heart? What's God growing? What is God growing? What season is it? What is he ready to grow in you right now? I know we don't have to preach a sermon on that today because the Holy Spirit is the one that cultivates this fruit in you and he can put his finger in your heart, what he's weeding, what he's pruning and what he wants to develop. What's lacking? Where does he want you to reflect the, the glory of Christ in a new way? So we're gonna go into just a, a moment here of worship and prayer. And, and I wanna ask you to answer those questions and talk about those questions with God. Let me pray over you today and we're gonna sing. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your messengers, God, that brought your word today. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would make each of us usable vessels for your gifts. Lord, just like these speakers today use their gifts, God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us be used by you in our giftings. You're the living water, God. Let us be the cup that you want us to be, each of us, no matter what ministry it's in, no matter uh, what the gifting is, mercy or service or compassion, God, whatever it is, make us usable by you. And Lord, I pray that God, we would give to the world and to those in our lives what they're starving for. We would give them a taste of you through the, the development of these spiritual fruits. God, if there's a weed that is just taking all those nutrients we're competing for, Lord, won't you root that out in our hearts and help us, help us, God, die to the sinful nature and help us not walk in those ways. Jesus, I pray in areas of pruning where we just don't understand, where we, we experience the pain it feels like we're being destroyed, but really what's happening is you're making us more fruitful and more productive. God, I pray that you would guide us through pruning seasons with wisdom and trust. Lord, I pray uh, that, that you would just put your finger in our, in our hearts right now when we think about this list of fruit. Say, what are you developing in me, God? What season is it? And Lord, help me become more like Jesus in those areas, in love, gentleness, patience, self-control, goodness, peace, and faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for helping us, for working in us, and letting us be more like you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship together.